Hey guys, what's up? Matt here. Welcome to the episode of Coffee is for Closers. Today it's me and James and we're going to be talking about step-by-step how you sell online coaching. Yeah, so this is pretty much your area, so I'm just going to sit there and shut up the whole time, which is great news for the listeners. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So yeah, guys, cue the intro. If you listen to this podcast, you will make your first million within three years. I'm going to repeat that. You will make a million dollars within three years of the first episode you listen to. We don't want pikers. We're not here to save the manatees. We're here to make podcasts. You really want this. You listen and review. Put that coffee down. I guess we could start a step one. Exactly. All right, let's sort of go through and define, I guess, like what is online coaching. Online coaching, I, I don't really see much of a difference between B2B and B2C, right? Because if you're selling coaching, like if you're a fitness coach or a health coach or whatever, and you're selling, you know, a non-ROI-based coaching program, I think you can uh, use a lot of the same tactics and strategies. And if you are selling a business coaching program or selling two coaches, or maybe you're a coach, you coach coaches, you coaches, coaches, that coach coaches, right? You could be one of those guys. I got a I got a serious question. Yeah. Is the entire coaching industry with I'd say it's a giant, like the, it's a giant circle jerk? The top of the chart. Is it just a giant pyramid scheme via run by our affiliate marketing from the I top don't think it is because I don't know down? I don't know if you really get any money when you know. Like if we were in uh, XYZ coaches program and then mm-hmm. like you know, we pay him, but where does yeah. it go from there? It's not I, like I, we're signing people up to him and then well, getting a cut of that. So let me be more specific. That's a pyramid scheme. That's when affiliate marketing comes into it and you just become a associate for that thing, you go out, you get all your affiliates, you sign other people up to that product and you take commission via your pure network, but go join a course, not like a interactive coaching thing, just like an online course where there's what, like, I think like 7% of people that, it's only it's only like a pyramid scheme if like if then I could then sell my own affiliates, who could then sell their own affiliates, who could then sell their own affiliates. And, every, could. and everybody well no, you can't. Technically that would be a pyramid scheme, which would be against the law, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So like I mean you can physically do it. Yeah, exactly. You can also do a Ponzi scheme, but they're against the law, do you know what I mean? I don't I don't I don't think coaching is one. I think like coaching is extremely uh, insular and very yeah. masturbatory yeah. in its practices. Um like I think a lot of people stay in coaching programs not because mm. they're getting value, but because they value the community what they're in. They're not like Absolutely. the actual coaching program itself, which I don't see anything wrong with. Yeah, no, I'm definitely. I think most business coaches say the same. Shit. Oh yeah, absolutely. And really, you just whatever decision you make, in which one you go with, like the information in which you get access to is going to be relatively similar. But it's just, I guess, what accountability structure works better for you, and if you vibe with the business owner better. Mm. And a, like a different, and then which which side is better at sales? The real, the real, like the real, I guess, like uh, I guess, hidden truth about the coaching industry is literally the only thing that matters about the the front end of your business is how well you can generate leads and how well you can sell them. Mm-hmm. That is all that matters because you can like delivery departments. Like there are so many ways to figure that out, and it's like problems that you can cross when you get there. But like there are phenomenal programs that are unsuccessful because they have poor sales and marketing. And there are terrible programs that are extraordinarily successful because they have strong sales and marketing. Mm, yeah. It's, it's so interesting because there's a lot of associations that they've taken 
from that entire model that I'm talking about like the, the top guys, like all the big coaches, it almost seems like there's a rehash of like Tony Robbins or Dean Graziosi's work. Like there's yeah. a couple of really big coaches that information gets filtered down yeah. to the next level that is not as successful. who fill it down to all their clients who are less yet successful and more and more and more. It's it's, uh, it's crazy. Right? Yeah, it's a hard one because like I don't think we really know who the super successful coaches are. Like, do you know who Law Payne is? Yeah, he's a he's a fitness guy, right? Yeah, but he's not like that well known. Hmm. We know him because we know people work to them. He's probably he's easily the most financially successful fitness business coach there is. He so does. Nice. He does well. No, like he's got the does he like he backs it up. I've never looked into him. So he makes tens of millions of dollars a year. Yeah, nice. Like in twenty or thirty, he has like a he has like a, a mid eight figure supplement business. You ah, know, right? okay, yeah. So he's super successful. He has a done for you element. He has a supplement business, which I'm pretty sure he then can white label and then transfer other things. But like, so he's way bigger than Tanner, for example. But Tanner would be considered, I would think, the biggest fitness business coach. Got better marketing. Probably. You know what I mean? Well, he just, yeah, and probably the reason is because he has to have it. There's yeah, law, doesn't need it. He just doesn't, right? So it's, it's so strange. Like, I couldn't tell you. I know Taki's pretty big, but again, I could not tell you. I could not even guess a revenue, right? I have no idea. There's Marion Golden. How did you say that? Marion Golden, yeah, but I've only, like, heard of him. I couldn't Myron. pick him out of a lineup. Hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and then there's, like, there's, like, Tony Robbins, obviously, hmm. which is the biggest coach. We've, um... Not done much coaching compared to other people in the coaching industry. No. Mm, it's funny. No. Anyway. It's a lot of sales coaching. That's a, a huge a- tangent. So step one, sorry. Yeah. So I think, well, I think it's about realizing that, you know, one, I think you're not a special unicorn that's going to mm. like sort of do much different than anybody else, but you do have to nail down like what your client avatar is. Like if you're a guy who teaches people how to do organic Facebook group marketing, I can get that information from 10 other people. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure that you're convinced that you're the best at it. And so are they. I'm sure that you're convinced that you have a special way of doing it. And so do they. Right. So like, you're not a snowflake. That's what someone out there is as good, if not better than you providing a better service to their clientele. It's just the way it is. Right. You got to kind of acknowledge that. And then it's like, okay, but like what, how can I separate myself and stop myself from being commoditized? And like, what mm. problem am I truly solving? Mm-hmm. You know, because if you don't know the problem that you're truly solving, it's then difficult to get like emotional enough with the person in order to get them to make a decision. You have to tie off like the two sides of the brain, the emotional and the logical, right? But the emotional is far more weighty. Mm-hmm. it's really difficult to make, to get someone to make a pure logical decision. It's easy to get them to make a pure emotional decision. The pure logic decision, there'll be absolutely no reason to buy today. No, there's no logical sense to that. Yeah. If you go pure emotion, you'll get them to buy today, but you'll have a degree of buyer's remorse. Mm-hmm. Right. So like you have to combine the two sides of the brain effectively. Right. And you do that through having a good understanding of the problems, the solutions, the tangible and emotional benefits. And then from there, like, you know, giving them some like more logic-based questions around the things that they want and why they want it. And then from there, using the emotion and tying those all together and creating urgency and consequence that way. So I think like having a really good understanding of your client avatar. And I think a lot of people do avatars wrong um, or at least differently to how I like to do it. A lot of people like to use demographics as an avatar. I like to use problem buckets. I don't care if you sell men or if you sell women, if you sell young people or old people. 
it doesn't make a difference to it's me because in, in the, the day you're just talking to human being, right? And human beings are fairly individual, but they will have commonalities of problems, right? Mm, I.e. not enough leads, no systems. Yeah. That, that may be, right? Or even like, you know, um, you might get single mums might fall into the same category of problem as corporate male, mm. right? Mm. Which is time. Yeah. Right? So like we know the real issue for them is like we have to make this time efficient and we have to give them a time ROI. You know what I mean? So it's like, if I'm selling fitness, it's like, I'm going to have to have that in there once I identify who they are and their common problem buckets. And then I can address that throughout my script. Gotcha. You know, and it's the same for anything. So step one, understanding you're not a snowflake and that you're not that special, but you do need to understand like the avatars and the problem buckets in which your potential clients or prospects are fitting into. So you can then start to have a seemingly tailored process for them because people want to like, nobody wants to think that you're on a script. If you, people think you're on a script, they're not going to be very happy you to be feel. talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they'll do intentionally to try and throw you off. Right. So, but if everything seems customized to them, they never think you're on script. Like when I tell people I'm on script, they're shocked. Yeah, right. Really? Fucking hell, all right. Are you on script now? I am. (laughs) Interesting. Um, (laughs) Memorize this whole 40-minute podcast word for word, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so then, right, so then what we need to do is uh, once we understand all that, then we have to lay out our sales process. And our sales process has to make sense given the goals that we want and the lead generation mechanisms that we have available to us. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like we don't want to have the same process for cold email as we do for organic lead gen. Mm -hmm. Like it's Mm -hmm. just, it's stupid. It seems fairly common sense, but like people don't do it. And so like if I'm doing a cold email strategy, like I'm scraping emails off a database or whatever people do for cold email, I don't even really know how they do it. I'm obviously going to try and get people into something, but it's probably not a 15 minute call. Like mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense to me. I probably want to get them into some sort of indoctrination sequence, right? Where they can go through a certain, and once they've, they've gone through a certain level of indoctrination, then I would put them into a 15 minute call, right? Also, like if I'm doing uh, organic lead generation with a strong set through DM, I probably won't do a triage. Yeah, you I just put to. him straight into a sales call because I just don't need to. Mm. Like you've asked the questions through the conversation, there's no point repeating it and wasting someone's time. Exactly, but then like if I have them going through paid ad funnel, I'd probably put them into a triage. Yeah, yeah. Like so, the lead generation mechanism, the outcomes that I want, and the sales process all have to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're a coach out there, or a consultant, or whatever. And like you're just throwing spaghetti at a wall and you're not actually analytically thinking about what you get out of your process and what you're trying to achieve. Like you're just losing sales and it's just Mm. lazy to be honest, because it's Mm. not like what I'm saying is earth shattering a rocket scientist. It's just common dog. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you're not doing it, you're an idiot. Basically. (laughs) Fair enough. I figured it out. So step two, you're an idiot. Yeah. Or potentially it just doesn't seem that difficult. Right. Like, why would I put people through the exact same process 
when they're coming from totally different areas with totally different levels of trust. It doesn't make any sense to me. Do you, are you aware of what the, the Dronen-Kruger effect is? No. Okay, well, that has that written. Oh, is that where you know a certain amount to be dangerous, but then the more you know, they realize the less you know? Is that that one? Yeah, yeah, to a degree. It's basically like the reason why the most stupidest person in the room has the most opinions, because they're too naive to understand they're stupid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's similar. They're just two psychologists. They, they're like, why is stupid people always the most outspoken? You know, yeah. it's just like that flat earther who just yells at you. Like, ah, the earth is flat. And it's like, come on. Yeah. Anyway. So, no, it, yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, but I've actually been, been kind of ranting at people recently. I'm under the group trainings that I do. Really? You? I know, right? About um, <laughs> just not taking it seriously. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to sit here and talk at you for 45 minutes and go mm. over and answer, ask the same, get answered the, answer same, the same questions question. yeah. every week. Like, you know, I can identify the people who are new to the group and I'm totally fine with that. But if you've been listening to me talk for four months, right. And you literally ask the same stupid questions every time. I just said, there are no stupid like questions, just stupid. Only people. stupid people asking them. I was like, so just so you know, like if you ask me that question again, like you're retarded. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like just listen to the answer and apply it and like or do something about it. And mm. what really grinds my shit is that people literally do nothing about it. Like yep. I want to get yep. better at sales. Okay, man. Go do it then. Go study the craft. Buy a book. Do a course. Actually listen to the sales calls that you're doing and try and get better. It's yeah. like somebody like it's so black and white. If I if I, like, I can't bench 150 kilos anymore. I used to be able to, I can't do it. There's no way I can do that right now in, in a million years. Mm-hmm. If I put 150 kilos on a bar, would I be frustrated that I can't lift it? Absolutely not. Because I have put no effort into my body being able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. Am I frustrated that I can't shred on guitar like Santana? No, I'm not. Do you know why? Because I casually play guitar for fun. I did not spend the eight hours a day playing guitar nonstop for 20 years to get as good as that guy. Like I just didn't. So how can I possibly on any planet think that I'm like, I deserve the same outcome. Yeah. It, it grinds my gears. Right. When, and I say this a lot, it's like, Hey, it's okay to want less. You know, if you want to work only a couple hours a day and you're happy, that's fine. Just, don't come to me and say, I want to achieve this level of income. It's like, no, you don't. Otherwise, you'd work more. It's okay if you want to earn less. Along, provided the caveats there that you stop asking for more to get you to where you want to be if you're not willing to put in any effort or time to it. Yeah. It pisses me off as well. I hate it. Yeah, It's just like, you know, like I was telling a story. I was like, okay, guys, when I was learning how to sell in the way that I sell now, which is that more NEPQ style, I have definitely a different bent on NEPQ, mm. but that's my, the methodology that I use, right? And everyone needs some sort of methodology. Like you mm-hmm. can't just randomly do Absolutely. shit. Like not a system. It's, you can't, can't get better at random, right? And so what I did is I printed out that script and I literally read it thousands and thousands of times, mm-hmm. right? I went through the portal that I had access to. I went through it probably 30 times, I would say. Certain videos I might have watched 50. Yeah. Right. And then practice it. And then I would sit in bed with my wife at night 
And I would like ask her questions on the script in different ways. Mm. And then I wrote down the iterations of like, why, why is that important to you now? Why is that important to you now though? Is there any reason why, why this might be important to you? Like all these different ways of asking the questions. And I was like, how does that feel? How does that feel? What's that like? And I would gauge. And then what I would do is I would like on my next sales call, I would say, okay, I'm going to say this one this way, but I wouldn't change anything else. Mm. And I did that for all the iterations. And then from there, I got like a best of compilation, right? Where I then had like tested and adjusted four or five different ways of asking every question. Mm. And then I wrote the script out to be like the best iteration of that for me. Right. And that took like six months. Yeah. It's funny. I, um, I did, a, I didn't do the core review, but I had a guy who did the core review three months ago. He got his score and he submitted it again uh, after that period of time and got a, a worse score. And he's like, Oh, you know, why is, why is my scores going down? Are you just guys just hard markers? And I go, well, because you didn't get better at it. He's like, Oh, why not? I come to the trainings all the time. I'm like, okay, well, when we last spoke, we said that you need to work on this, right? I gave you some very specific strategies. It's like coming to the trainings is great, but you needed to practice. You needed to, I can't remember what the specific strategy was. I'm like, did you do that? He's like, oh, I did it a bit. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Did you like genuinely go 100% do that every day for enough time for that to become a genuine habit? Grinds my I'm like, well, that's why you didn't get better, mate. How about for another three months, you do that. And then if we have this conversation in three months and it's the same story, it's probably no hope for you. You know, yeah, you, you just had not, enough time. cut out to be exactly. on your own. Yeah. Some people need to be told what to do. Exactly. They right. need to be told how to do it. And that's fine. Yeah. Right? Some people make better employees than they do anything else. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's just yeah. a thing. If it's the whole true. world was entrepreneurs, the world would be a mess. Like, uh, you know what I mean? It's and it's a whole world where employee mindset people, there'd be no forward progression whatsoever. No. You know what I mean? Yep. So like it's, you, you need, we need both types of brains, right? Mm. So, so ran over on step three, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Where are we at? Ranty doodle. Your sales process has to match up, yep. essentially, with the lead generation mechanism. So like, I'll just give everyone an example, which, which I've done before, but it's like, if you're, you know, like to do with matching up the outcomes. I've talked about the lead generation mechanisms, but it has to match up your outcomes. Like if you're, if you're newer to the space, right. Or you have a sales team that's maybe too big, right. Or you've got time on your hands. Like I would very much consider just flooding the pipeline with as many people of whatever Mm. quality, because like that's going to increase opportunity, but also increase practice. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it's just the way it is. Like one of the only ways to get better at sales, unfortunately, is to have lots of sales calls. So like, you know, if, if you have a younger team or whatever, like you just, you just need to kind of like open the floodgates. But like that, again, that's got to be a conscious choice based off the outcomes that you're looking for. If you're quite a well-honed team, you're just looking to get an extra little percent here and there, that might not be a good strategy unless lead, unless like, there's something that happens and all of a sudden you have a lot of excess availability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well then let's lower the qualification metrics, increase the volume, increase overall opportunity. Although we're going to decrease close rate, it's an active decision. So it's okay. 
which I think is like the conversation that in, in the coaching and consulting industry is happening the least. So I've never heard anyone talk about it ever. Like when should you do what? And yeah. I hear everyone talking about qualified leads, qualified leads, qualified leads. Like, volume, first of volume, all, volume, volume, volume. First of all, like qualified is different. Qualified to me and qualified to some Jono who's done a damn lot course and that's it. Very different. You know what I mean? Because I can get that guy to buy. I get that guy to do whatever it takes. You know what I mean? So like qualification is almost like how good do you have to be to sell them? You could, if you named it that way, people would do it. They look at it differently, Mm. right? Sales rep skill requirement meter. Are you a five out of five or are you like a two out of, you know what I mean? And it goes in reverse Mm. Mm -hmm. for a low quality need five out of five required. And then for a top, it's like just order taking douchebag required. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it really changes with like the level of one, how good your marketing is and how good your reputation is. If we're talking like those lower level coaches, there's a lot of unqualified leads because you don't attract as good ones and and vice versa. So, yeah. But again, like a really good salesperson, like I like to think that for every lead, there is a salesperson that could sell them. Right. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's kind of how I think. doesn't mean that even the best salesperson in the world could sell that person, but yeah. there will be someone who could put the puzzle together in that particular instance. Whether it's a slumdog millionaire situation and it's yeah. just like the stars align and it all happened. But I believe that like anyone who's on a call is probably somewhat closable. It just might be a very difficult puzzle to put together that 99 times out of 100, you're not going to do it. That one time, yeah, 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 yeah. that one time it was done, right? And so, uh, like, we've had this debate before about qualification, but I think that, like, as long as we have a metric where we can go, this is a much lower chance of closing, right? This is a much higher chance of closing, mm-hmm. but it's like that person is still closeable if you're f- savage, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, let's put those people through, but like at the worst case scenario, that's practice, right? If you want to get good at handling money objections, speak to a bunch of broke people. Yep. Like people don't like that answer. How do I get good at money objections? Speak to heaps of broke people. Buy stuff. Like, you know what I mean? I had a girl today and she, um, why not a girl today? I had a girl reach out to me and ask me for sales coaching and then just totally ghosted a while ago. And then she asked today, or she said something, I can't remember, is in some sort of form. It was like, how do I overcome my objections? I was like, you should probably start up by buying something. Mm. Because like... You can't afford specifically. Because then you understand what it's like to make that decision and what you need to know to get there. Yeah. You know, so it's like... Congruency. Right? Yeah. Did, did somebody there. say congruence? Somebody said it. <laughs> so, you know, that those are, those are some of the decision-making processes that you need to go through when you're selling, especially coaching and consulting, because it's that real online space, mm-hmm. right? And then probably the last one in terms of like the sales of coaching and consulting is like being, I think, fluid with your decision-making and not being really tied down to any particular way of doing things because like that's what your coach told you mm-hmm. or that's how this guy does it. It's like, okay, like let's just try something and then we can test and adjust it based on advocacy. Mm. Like one of the guy goes like, oh, I just feel like I'm really not selling well with any PQ. I was like, well, were your stats way better before? He's like, yeah. And I was like, then go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what do you think I'm going to say? 
<laughs> you know, like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, this guy who's in an EPQ at the moment, he was saying like, like he has been trying, he's new to it. I'm like, well, when you're new to it, you suck at it. Like, I just hate mm-hmm. to break it to you. You're going to suck up this for six months. Like it just kind of is what it is. He's like, the way they want me to do it had a 90% turn up rate. My way, I'm having about a 60. I go, they do it their way. Like, what are you crazy? Yeah. I was like, if it's an actual 90%, don't ever change it. No. Don't change that process. That's locked in tight, good to go. You know what I mean? Like, I I would do it that way. If they they, they had proven stats, I'd be like, what am I going to get? 91%? Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd look at just like one minor thing that could possibly be improved and only do that. Yeah. And then segmentally add more and more things in case it does, you know, could get up to 95. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. That's the perfect way to look at it. It's also the lowest hanging fruit. Like, surely, okay, let's say that that's the show-up rate or whatever. Maybe don't focus on the show-up rate. Focus on the closing rate and what you could do because that is the lowest hanging fruit in that situation. Yeah. No, exactly. So it's just like, you know, don't be emotionally tied to any particular way of doing things Mm. and, like, give things enough time to fulminate and test and adjust. But, like, Mm -hmm. you know, know, just, like, make sure that you're looking at the data unemotionally and you're going, like, okay, what can we improve? Where can we improve it, et cetera? Mm-hmm. And like number five, the last thing I would say is don't micromanage your team. Did we skip step four? No, no that was step four. Okay. It's having an unemotional look and don't be right. tied to any particular. But having, um, don't micromanage your sales team. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, Horror stories. The fastest way to lose sales guys is to micromanage them. Mm-hmm. And if you ever catch yourself saying this, oh, I listened to the call, I could have closed that guy. I'm going to call them up and close them. Fucking whoop de do come. Do it then. <laughs> yeah. Like I've also been told that a bunch of times and they couldn't close them. Mm. So there is no, I mean, if you do that, I would laugh at you. I'll point and laugh. Bah. Like, what do I go to fuck my boss? Do you know what I mean? Just because I do sales for you doesn't mean that you're my boss. Like I'm, we're a consultant. Like, mm-hmm. like you're not the boss. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's also so, like, it's, you you basically just insulted your salesperson. Yeah, it's so stupid. And it's like, yeah, man, congratulations. You're the guy on the box. Hmm. Like, you should be able to close most of these people. You should be able to. But that's not what a scale of business looks like. <laughs> so, you know what I would say? I would turn around and say, no worries. And I'll tell you what, I'll go deliver for this client so they don't end up with a refund. Yes. Would you like true. me to do that for you? Because I could do that if I was a judge. Yeah, exactly. So... Like, yeah, if you, like, it's the stupidest thing. I don't know. I see business owners do it all the time, mm. especially like when someone's figuring out an offer. It takes a couple of months. Yeah, exactly. It usually takes like, you takes like four to eight weeks to figure out like all the nuances of an offer. And they're not going to know the detail of your program and the detail of your industry very well for the first four to six months. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. like that just takes time in getting questions that you didn't anticipate you would hear. So if you're like, oh, f- didn't you know that this stock was going to do this? Of course I don't. I'm a sales guy. Like, I don't do what you do. Like, <laughs> what the f- is wrong with you? Mm. Right? So it's like micromanaging and trying to like, like help them. You got to be collaborative with your salespeople. Like you got to be like, hey, man, how can I help you like close more deals? What yeah. information do you need from me? Well, like this call. Well, do you want to go through it together? And I'll give you any feedback that I have on not on like a sales perspective, but on like a, 
like a like a coaching perspective, so you can get some insight into what I think, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, the, the the way that you say that is in that same situation. It's like, hey, I had to listen to you. Like, I saw that this call didn't close, and I thought this person was a a good fit, so I had a quick listen. And yeah, I noticed a couple of little things that you know, if you're open to it, I could give you a hand while you're still learning this industry to show you how to possibly ask that a bit better so it makes sense for our niche. Yeah, and then it's, it's totally collaborative, right? Yeah, exactly. But it's if like, you're just like, yeah, oh, I want to get better. It's like, oh, whoop de doo cunt. What do I give a <laughs> f-? Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, 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 there is nothing more aggravating as a salesperson to have a business owner going, oh, I could have closed them. Well, then go do it yourself. Yeah. What I, I also Actually, you know what? Let's both hop on the phone with them and we'll just hop straight into objection handling and see how you go. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's, let's do it. Let's get them on the phone right now. You game? Yeah, cool. Because ima- I've had that said to me like four or five times. They've never closed them. Yeah. And I, I, I used to go in Slack. And I used to go, hey, how'd you go with X? Hey, how'd you go with X? Hey, did you how'd close you go them? With X? Hey, did you close them? Did you close them? I saw them close. I know it says still status pending. What's going on with X? Because I'm going to follow up. I used to just I used to just be belligerent about it, right? And then I and then I would call them later on and I'd try and reclose them. And mm. I'd be like, sale made. I, I used to really like, it used to really aggravate me. And so I, I would get, I'd get real, can't tell. I'd get real pity about it. Real petty. Mm. Get Tom petty. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's funny though. Like if you're a business at a level where you've got the infrastructure to hire a sales team for me, how are you, how do you actually have the time to listen to guys' sales calls and then go and then micromanage them? Yeah. You, you hire um, salespeople so you don't have to. So it's yeah. done for you. Right? I, I don't get it. It makes yeah. no sense. And also like most, like most um, coaches and consultants, like they do not have a salesperson onboarding. They do not have a portal mm. in which they can get access to actual persuasion yeah. coaching not just like product knowledge, they don't have anything in their business that would allow a salesperson to be successful within it. Yeah, yeah. And they I've been in the back of, I've not seen it yet. Mm. Not once. Mm-hmm. Like not an actual like, hey man, like here you go, go study all this material that's not product knowledge based or a couple of call recordings from the owner doing sales, which is borderline useless, like probably more counterproductive than productive. But it's not like, hey, here's a script. Here's a breakdown of the script. Here's the transition between triage. Like, here's the common objections. Here's the way that we overcome them. Here's the scripting. Here's the videos. Like, this is the conceptual stuff. This is the, it's, it's just not, it's, no one does it. Mm-hmm. Was there a step six or just five? No. Nah. All right. Do you want to uh, maybe like we can wrap it up there if you just give us a recap of those five steps? Yeah. Yeah. If I can remember. I'm sure that somebody will throw on screen. It's now. easy. It's a step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. You do those five things, you're good to go. Exactly. I just pretty much made them up. I hope you enjoyed my TED talk. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But no, I think like, you know, th- those things, you know, kind of understanding the problem buckets and going through and identifying the lead metrics versus the, the lead mechanisms versus the sales process versus the outcomes and then not being tied emotionally to anything. You know what I mean? Doing all those things, like they're just going to, like they're going to make a sales processor or coaching actually feasible as a system. Mm. And you have to ask yourself, this is a really good question. I'll ask if you're, if you need someone who is really good at selling, right? If you need them, Mm. you have a business. Like 
you should be able to get away with people who are mid-tier. Yeah, absolutely. Not shitty, but yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Like, like a, it's six point five out of ten on terms of skill set. You should yeah. be able to grow your business. You should be. You should be successful. But if you need guys who are nine out of ten, yeah, there's something fundamentally wrong with your business. Yeah, oh, big time. And I've seen that a lot. Like you know, we've had Marco in a business, and he's like eleven out of ten, and then all of a sudden he gets removed, and it's like, <laughs> I've done it. I've been in business where I got that business up to like from like 50K a month when I started to 300K a month when I, when I, when I was like in peak. Mm. And then I left and just <laughs> that because mm-hmm. like nobody could replace the volume of sale that I could do. Mm. And that um, net business is doing, I calculated their numbers based off the amount of clients that they said they have knowing their, um, their pricing structure. They're currently now at about, 86k a month so take that for what it's worth yeah and it's just like that's the problem when you like if you don't identify that you have an exceptional as douchey as it sounds someone who's exceptionally Mm. talented at sales like if you don't identify that and go okay we cannot use this as a metric like yeah but you know the business owner could have closed them so how good could they be right yeah exactly (laughs) But I've had that conversation with multiple business owners saying you have someone in your business right now who is of exceptional skill level. It's not going to be replicatable ever. Mm-hmm. So you need to look at all these numbers with a grain of salt and they never listen to me. And they just think that their marketing is amazing. Like all business owners do. And it's trash yep. half the time. And I'm like, okay, man, but if we step out, I'm telling you right now, if we step away, your this business is going to sink. And I don't want to hold your business in my hand like a dying bird mm-hmm. right i'd rather you have the knowledge and use use like the knowledge that i have to your benefit to really do this and they don't do it all of a sudden we leave because of whatever reason most times because they piss me off and then um or they're rude to one of our staff that's pretty much it we're out yeah we had four setters in one account he was rude to them i Good called them an hour later and said we're gone yeah diaries off they said oh but i said no nah, diaries off never again yeah, and it's it's funny because it works every time like that. You know, you think you have a good, well-strung business, but it's it's not the case. You take out the almost the most important aspect of a business, which is bringing in business. You, you take that out and what do you do? Become a charity. Exactly. But all right, guys, that's pretty much uh, today. That's it. Thanks. All right, guys, thanks for coming. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Um, make sure you make sure you comment something down below, you know what I mean, like sales process or whatever, and then I might actually make this into a free resource. Yeah, if you can, um, comment the five steps. <laughs> yeah, if you remember them. It'll be I helpful. Don't. Yeah. Um, and yeah, guys, thanks for today. Bye. Bye. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only.